You know, Jackie, kalokohan lang naman yung mga trustful na yun eh. Like, I don't believe that it does anything to help me feel better about my office mates. Well, yeah, that's warranted, I guess, based on your own experience. But there can be some activities like a trust fall where they would be meaningful and helpful to some teams. We've seen some of that. Kailangan mo ba ng mas makabuluhang chismisan sa pantry? Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts. Gloria Capitan had one advocacy, the right to breathe clean air. Her grandchildren were getting sick from inhaling ash. Her sari-sari store was covered in soot. And her trees were dying because of the pollutants in the air. She spent her days as a community leader opposing coal stockpiles and a coal-fired power plant in Bataan. She gathered a thousand signatures and petitioned to close the stockpile nearest to their home. Eventually, the sanitation department ordered the company managing it to build a structure that would keep the pollutants contained. It was a victory for Gloria. Then she started receiving threats. And on July 1, 2016, she was gunned down by two motorcycle-riding assassins. You already know that this isn't the first time an environmentalist was killed in the Philippines. The previous episodes, after all, were dedicated to slain botanist Leonard Ko. And you also know that Leonard and Gloria aren't the last ones to be murdered. In the next 20 minutes we look at the decade that has passed since Leonard's death. How are the people like him who have made it their mission to take care of Philippine biodiversity? This is the final episode of Leonard Ko, A Taxonomy of Justice, a special three-part series of Teka Teka, produced by Puma Podcast with support from Internews' Earth Journalism Network. I'm your host, in 2020, protecting the environment took a back seat in the face of COVID-19. Around the world, governments were scrambling to respond to the health crisis. But another catastrophe was underway. Attacks against the environment's staunchest defenders, our indigenous peoples, were common. In the Philippines alone, we heard allegations that the military bombed Aitas, 
who were opposed to mining in their Zambales community. The military has since denied this and said that the Aitas had merely been caught in a skirmish between government troops and the New People's Army. Two members of the same Aita community would eventually become the first to be charged under the anti-terror law. They allegedly fired upon the soldiers, killing one of the troops. The Aita's lawyers, meanwhile, accused the soldiers of labeling their clients as communist rebels. They said the soldiers planted firearms and explosives on the Aitas. As recently as December 30, nine members of the Tumandok tribe in Capiz were killed in a joint police and military operation. The police said it was a legitimate action against communist rebels and claimed that the victims had shot at them. But a survivor said they had been roused from sleep by the police and soldiers who barged into their homes early in the morning, dragged the victims outside, and shot them dead. Reports say members of the Tumanduk tribe had been opposing megadam projects that would displace their community. Very often when indigenous peoples rise to protest, rise to resist in protection of their ancestral domains, and that directly puts them in collision course with the government's development plans or the government's concept of development. That's Attorney Mai Takeban of the nonprofit Legal Rights and Natural Resources Center. She spoke in a webinar last month by Indigenous Peoples' Rights International. What we see is resistance from indigenous communities have been met with militarization and rights violation. That instead of prioritizing IP rights, they are tagged as rebels or insurgents, if not criminals. You know, they're charged with murder, etc. So the labels terrorists, insurgents, these have all become your, your catch-all phrase, no? a pretext to attack, to stop Lumads or indigenous peoples who are actually defending their rights. In fact, according to NGO Global Witness, destructive mining, corrupt agribusiness, and illegal logging are driving attacks against Filipino environmentalists. Global Witness investigates and advocates for climate justice and civic freedoms around the world. The organization says the Philippines had the most killings of land and environmental defenders in 2018. And there's another threat our IPs and environmental defenders face, red tagging. To make it easy for military and paramilitary units to silence or cause untold human rights abuses on vocal dissenters, government agents usually resort to stereotyping or caricaturing individuals. The act of labeling, branding, naming, and accusing individuals and or organizations of being left-leaning, subversives, communists, or terrorists is known as red-tagging or red-baiting. That was Commissioner Karen Dumpit of the Commission on Human Rights. She was citing Justice Marvik Leonin. Commissioner Dumpit spoke at a Senate hearing last year, where she noted that from 2009 to 2016, there had been at least 25 red-tagging incidents. But in the Duterte administration alone... We have already logged 96. Earlier in this episode, you heard that that was exactly what happened to the Aitas and Tumandok tribe. It is more often than not a prelude or even an open invitation for anyone to commit 
further atrocities against the person's tag. In November last year, President Rodrigo Duterte himself named left-wing groups in Congress as quote-unquote legal fronts for the Communist Party of the Philippines. He added that it was the IPs who would suffer because of this. Ang makaawa nito itong mga pobre na taga-bukid na madadala ninyo. And I think 75%, at least in Mindanao, mga lumad. Kayong mga lumad, umuwi kayo, sabihin ninyo sa mga, mga tao ninyo na niluloko lang sila ng NPA talaga. Ang maraming namatay ang lumad. So if this thing goes on, the lumads, yung native na Pilipino, will become an extinct tribe. Our scientists who go into the field face similar challenges. To avoid accidents, they secure permits from local officials. They introduce themselves to the community. And they make it clear to soldiers assigned to the area that they are there to conduct research. Forester Mike Galindon, who specializes in plant taxonomy, talks about what changed when he joined the team Leonard Cole left behind. Meron na kaming vest, no? Nag-vest kami. Pag nakita yung vest mo na nagtatrabaho pa sa EDC, konsultan ka ng EDC. EDC is the Energy Development Corporation. It was in one of their protected areas that Leonard was killed. Tapos marami pinagbawal in terms of permit, in terms of payong, bawal yung mahabang payong, pagkamalan na barit. Pati yung mga Che Guevara cap. Basta yung mga any a uniform na pwedeng mapagkamalang kang ano, uh, NPA. Environmentalists are aware of the risks that come with their work, like Greenpeace, a 50-year-old organization that engages in nonviolent creative confrontation. Here's Lea Guerrero, Greenpeace Philippines Country Director. Last year, uh, we blockaded the Shell uh, facility sa Batangas to give Shell a message that they should stop uh, what they're doing because it's contributing to the climate crisis, which is killing people. Fossil fuel companies are very entrenched um, in society because parang politically sila eh. they have political influence. So to go against fossil fuel companies is also kind of dangerous for people who are defending um, their right to have an environment that's actually secure. Greenpeace volunteers have been harassed and have even faced legal battles. There was a field na it was illegally testing genetically modified eggplant. And yung ano nun, danger nun was uh, when you test these GMOs um, on the field, diba, open yun eh. So parang pwede niyang ma-pollinate yung mga ibang kalapit na tapos makakontaminate niya. And it's irreversible. Once that happens, hindi mo naman ma-recall yun eh. Uh, we said it was illegal and ano, um, meron kaming mga kasama na, na huli doon. Uh, sinampahan sila ng kaso na uh, vandalism and so on. So parang it's a way for people or corporations who are um, already in power to kind of um, intimidate those who believe that there should be another way to do that. And like other groups that protested the anti-terror law and called for its repeal last year, Greenpeace was also targeted online. So uh, we did get kind of bullied online uh, by these you know, trolls and individuals. Pero I think uh, we did manage during that time because we were expecting na we would get cyber attacked. 
Again, here's Attorney Mai Takeban of Legal Rights and Natural Resources Center. So the foes in this context no, are those that are defiant, those are in, in disobedient, the dissenter, indigenous communities that rise up against wealthy tycoons whose business interests. No? And their business interests are part and parcel, perhaps, no, necessary for the preservation of the state. In fact, when we asked Attorney Twyla Rubin of the CHR if things have improved since Leonard Koss's murder, remember, she was one of those who investigated his killing. Ako mas may takot ako ngayon with the anti-terror law eh. Kasi yung sa time na nangyari ito, wala kang anti-terrorism doon. Restrictive kasi siya, yung impact niya restrictive doon sa freedom of association, freedom of expression. So marami ding restrictions sa rights doon nakapa-embed sa batas. Leah says something similar. We asked her about whether she's worried about the red tagging by the government. Andali niyang gamitin na eat persecute yung isang grupo or yung isang tao na mahirap lumaban yung tao na yon. Uh, that convenience, dahil madaling gawin yon, we see it as a way na posible na it could be used to silence opposition. Kung hari si uh, Gloria Capitan, na red tag siya, pati yung mga yung hanggang ngayon na mga anti-coal communities sa Bataan who are still fighting up to now uh, dun sa mga coal facilities dun. They are red tagged, um, even if you know, parang they don't have any connections with the uh, communist party or anything. Pero how do you disprove that? When yung kalaban mo ay ano? It's the government. Attorney Twila also worries about the impact of current laws on operations conducted by the police and the military. So if you look at the news din ngayon, uh, marami kang maririnig na in an encounter napatay si ganito. But, you know, one side could say it's an encounter, the other side could say it's a slaughter. And uh, to determine that, kailangan na may bumaba to investigate. But since itinan mo rin na ang daming posibleng nangyayari, enough ba yung ating nakakandak na investigation? Are we able to gather enough witnesses to determine na lahat ba ng mga namamatay sa encounter during these times? Uh, legitimate talaga yung operations? Nasunod ba nila yung standards? We know we've painted a bleak picture for conservationists, environmental defenders, and activists so far. But no matter how illogical it may seem, some of them still have hope. Here's Leah once more. You know, environmental movement and environmental activists are, you know, alive and well and kicking and very motivated to, you know, um, continue the work. If you remember in time ng anti-terrorism law nung una siyang nakasa, tsaka nung malapit na siya ipasa, that was around April, May, June. That was when yung a lot of progressive groups from different sides ng spectrum got together and really just diba, spoke about it. Parang meron, ng, meron naging common cause na nag-unite sa mga progressive groups to um, speak out. 2021 is also shaping up to be a busy year for Greenpeace as they're preparing for the national elections. Meron kaming ano, green electoral initiative looking at yung mga candidates and yung kanilang environmental stand, publicizing this para malaman ng mga tao who would support you sa pag-ano ng good environment. And they're also mobilizing Gen Zers to take a stand 
and vote for the future they want. They are very woke. They're the ones who are doing the climate marches. They are a very hopeful generation. They look mistakes na nagawa ng previous generations, di ba? Alam nila yung kanilang mga karapatan, alam nila na yung climate crisis ay mamamanan nila na hindi nila kasalanan. In the field of botany, it is the young researchers and plant enthusiasts who are picking up where Leonard Ko left off. Here's Dr. Aloy Duya, Leonard's longtime colleague. If you look at the Cost Digital na Facebook page, ang dami nagko-contribute. Cost Digital Flora of the Philippines is a Facebook group where users post pictures of Philippine plants and help identify them. It now has more than 13,000 members from all over the country. And that's one of the legacy ni Leonard. Kasi si Leonard kasi hindi siya madamot sa data. He shares what he has. So yun yung nakita ng mga tao. They're very much willing to contribute to that Facebook page, which is very good. Forester Mike Galindon says there are many young botanists who are also going out in the field on a quest for new discoveries. So, ito ay mga pwede nating sabihin na seeds na naiwan ni Sir Leonard. Others want to give back to the community by documenting medicinal plants, just like Leonard did in the Cordilleras. Galindon himself was part of a team that discovered the world's smallest Rafflesia species, as well as a new species of orchid. Same with ano, Sir Leonard kasi, pag gusto kasi namin maghanap ng mga new species sa implanting. So talagang sinusuyod namin yung uh, isang gubat. He also helped discover a new Hypericum species, which their team named after one of Leonard's closest friends, the late biologist, Perry Ong. A flowering plant with bright yellow petals. It is a discovery that directly builds on Leonard's work. Nakita namin siya sa Mount Hamigitan sa Davao 2019 nung nagkaroon kami ng expedition doon. Pero yung isang Hypericum pala na first na record ni Sir Leonard 2007 sa Bukon. So meron ng Hypericum sa Mindanao. Kasi itong uh, Hypericum periyongiay, sinasabi namin na first record sa Mindanao. Pero, well, in fact, ang naka-record ng first Hypericum species sa Mindanao is Sir Leonard. Hindi lang niya nasulato, hindi lang niya na-publish. Pero, the fact na nandun yung pictures niya na nakuha sa bukit nun is maraming evidence na Sir Leonard yung nakapag-record ng first Hypericum species sa Mindanao. There is nothing quite like the discovery of something new. Of course, yung ano, yung magiging proud ka as uh, young botanist na ito kasi yung gusto mong gawin sa buhay mo. And once na may madiscover kang new to science, parang uh, relief on your part na, na somehow may makontribute ka sa world ng plant taxonomy. Kahit na mawala ka na kasi on earth, nandun pa rin yung ano mo eh. Nakakabit pa rin yung surname mo dun sa new species na yun. So that was part of your legacy. So ganun yung ano uh, namin lagi. Pero ito hindi namin ginagawa for aralat sa namin. But also uh, para i-bandera ba na yung Pilipinas. Uh, Although marami ng explorers, mga botanists na ubikot-ikot dyan. Still, sobrang dami pa rin new species. So ganun kaganda yung, yung natural forest ng uh, Pilipinas na dapat protektahan.
What does it take to be a champion of the environment in the Philippines? Leonard Ko traveled rivers, forests, and mountain ranges to study an abundance of native plants. He took photos, published his research, and shared his knowledge to anyone who would listen. Our indigenous peoples continue their crusade for their ancestral domain. They stand up against the exploitation of their land. Environmental organizations persist in calling out abuses against our natural resources. And our youth take up the yoke of those who came before them so that they can live in a better world. We hope this series inspired you and reminds you to never forget Leonard Ko and countless other defenders who have given everything in their fight for rights associated with the environment, land, and territory in the Philippines. We remember how they lived and how they are still left wanting for justice. You can now listen to all episodes of Leonard Ko. A Taxonomy of Justice, a three-part series of Teka Teka, supported by Internews' Earth Journalism Network. This Puma podcast series is produced and hosted by me, Trisha Aquino, with additional research by Kat Ventura and Macy Hoven. It was edited by Carl Sayat. Subscribe to Teka Teka and Puma Podcast on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started.